With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at Chabacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me once again via Zencaster is my friend Michael Levoff. And Mike, uh, this it's only Wednesday and it feels like the Islanders have played 800 games this week. It's, it's too much. It's, it's too much. There's too much going on right now. The, I think the game against the Capitals, that third period, I couldn't remember it longer. I, 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 I went back to that Penguins playoff series. I was like, I can't remember feeling like a period has lasted longer than that third period did when Ovechkin hit the post in like the first 37 seconds. I was like, Oh great. Like they're going to score six goals because this period is going to last forever. And then the third period against the flyers lasted even longer to me. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really just been yeah. two, uh, two really, you know, Islanders anxiety. Like that's the name of the podcast. They were both very anxious nights and the Islanders somehow came out on top. It's, it was an amazing couple of nights uh, because of the way the games unfolded, because of who they unfolded against, which we'll talk a lot about in a little bit. Um, and just the fact that, yeah, the Islanders came out on top of both of them. Um, let's uh, start with the game on Monday, the Capitals game. I mean, I guess before it, like the pre the uh, the prequel to that was a, a game they played in Tampa. Not really much to say. I mean, they they played okay. It was a very measured game, but the Islanders did lose three to one. They really only made like three mistakes in that game, and they all ended up in the back of the Islanders' net, which is kind of a long story. A defensive miscue between Matt Barzell and Jordan Eberle. I'm still not sure whose whose man Carter Verhage was, but he got loose and made it three one, and that was basically the end of it. But uh, they played a pretty controlled game. They didn't really generate a whole lot on offense, but they didn't really give up a whole lot of, of on offense either. So mm. you can't take it. And you knew for, for, I knew Verhage was going to score one because uh, I yeah. I did never realize that he was the guy in that five contracts for Grabner. Oh yeah, so he he got his revenge. Yeah, but I saw that somewhere, and I'm like, you know what though? Like, I think four other teams have given up on this guy. <laughs> so it's not like let's not you know let's not try to make this like an Islanders thing. Like, oh, they had him, and they got rid of him. the Leafs had him too. Somebody else had him in between. I think Tampa. I think Tampa had him at one point, and then gave him away, and then he came back. I think I'm, something like that. So I'm not too worried about it. But again, the, the Lightning beat everybody these days, so it's fine. Uh, it, whatever. But then going into that game in Washington, it was like, oh, man, after what happened with these guys last time, now they got to play them in Washington. 
And uh, I mean, it was it was pretty great right from the start. I mean, Anthony Bovillier has two goals in the first. Devon Taves scores one on four on four, which was like, you know, you didn't expect that to happen. Um, it was three one. Uh, uh, Leo Komarov, we'll talk a lot about him, too. He scores. Jordan Everly scores in the second. And all of a sudden you know, the Caps get two back and suddenly it feels like this is going to go the way that the game at the Coliseum did. But sure enough, the Islanders held on for a 5-3 win. Um, they didn't really give up a lot. That third was hectic and long. I agree with you. It was very long. But um, they uh, they didn't really give up a whole lot of like high danger chances. And the most important thing was that Alex Ovechkin did not get his two goals he needed for 700. So Ovi, please go do that against somebody else. Thank you very much. Uh, they couldn't have teed it up more for him. It was against the Islanders. It was on NBC. <laughs> this was the game. And the Islanders, fortunately, as they often do, disappointed everybody by not playing along. And I was, I for one was happy about it. So, and they got the win, mm-hmm. which was, which was pretty huge. But yeah, that was, um, that was a tense game <laughs> for a 5-3 win. That was a pretty tense 5-3 game in which the Islanders jumped out to a, you know, 4-1 lead or a 5-1 lead or whatever it was at that point. Yeah. When it was 5-1, um, I took a deep breath and I think the the couple like hours before the game, I just texted one of my buddies. I was like, I would do anything for just an easy game, just an easy game. It's that and this team's DNA to do it just because, you know, they're really just not good enough to blow teams that aren't the Red Wings out. They, (laughs) they buried themselves in a hole against the Kings and came back. Like this is, they're just, no matter what, it's just never going to be an easy game with them. And the second I thought, Oh, you know what? I can't believe this is going to be an easy game. Uh, It got to be a hard game pretty quickly. Um, and the, yeah. the the third period was really impressive, but it was just so I was just so nervous that I re- didn't really appreciate just how well of a shutdown period that was. Um, it really looked like, uh, you know, when they when they're at their best, like that, that that was one of their best periods. Because look, it, like it, it, they didn't blow the Capitals out. You can you can, there's definitely been better periods of the season where they controlled play and been the like as a dominant force like that first period against the flyers for example they scored three goals and they were just like imposing their will uh on philadelphia in the capitals game there was a game plan it was look we're not going to give these guys an inch and that's all that you need to be thinking about every shift and they and they executed it to to near perfection the first minute was a little wonky but uh outside of that like it was just 19 minutes of frustrating a really really good offensive team yeah, no, that that's true. I felt the same way because it it was quick. It was a fast paced period, but again, it, you know the 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 situation made it seem tense. But yeah, when you look at it, and I'm looking at natural stat trick right now, the Islanders for the game had 13 high danger chances for, and only five against. And I think they had they gave up zero against in that period, if I remember correctly, that third period. So yeah, it was a pretty clinical game. Uh, the Caps right now are in a bit of disarray. Uh, they they lost seven to two. To Philadelphia just before that, so I mean they're they're kind of leaky a little bit right now, and and the Islanders took advantage of it, and, and it was kind of a huge thing, you know. They're only five points back of the Caps right now for first in the division, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, they're going to win the division, but you know, a couple of weeks ago they were like nine points back, and it's funny that there's a huge, huge, huge like uh, uh, psychological difference between a five point difference and a, and a nine point there. Nine feels like, oh man, they're never going to catch these guys. But now five all of a sudden, and with another win in the books and with the caps again, kind of struggling a little bit. Now all of a sudden it seems like it's not really that insurmountable. Um, but that was, that was a good win. Um, you know, the caps, it's funny, funny looking at their roster. And I mean, we're so used to them now. I never really kind of took a step back and look, but it's funny when you think about it because, or when I thought about it, because they have like, Two guys that are surefire Hall of Famers in Ovechkin and Backstrom. They have a whole bunch of guys who are like perennial all-stars. So like Kuznetsov and Holtby and Carlson. Like these guys, I don't know if they're Hall of Fame caliber, but they're always they're oh Oshi is another one. Like they're all-star caliber players. They're among the best in the league. You would take them on your team any day of the week. And then they have a bunch of absolute garbage cans. <laughs> they have Wilson, obviously. Garnet Hathaway, who's like Tom Wilson's little brother now, basically, and Gudis, who in fairness didn't play that game. Um, and it's like, what a weird, you know, it's just a weird setup. You've got guys that are really likable and, and guys that are obviously among the best ever to play their position. And then you've got these two, these three morons that are just like, really with this guy? And I, I, Wilson in particular, I mean, we all hate him, obviously, for a lot of reasons. But like, it's funny how he only becomes Mr. Tough Guy when the caps are down. 
Like, you know, if the caps are leading or it's tied, all of a sudden he's, he's the boy scout. Like he's out there and he's playing and he's like top six winger, Tom Wilson. And then as soon as they get down a goal, he's like trying to literally fight, you know, the guy selling popcorn in the stands. It's like, dude, seriously. And you know, the Islanders didn't really go for it. They did dress Ross Johnston and Barry Trotz. Well, he was pretty smart to do that because, you know, things could have gotten pretty bad. And I don't know if Ross, Ross did fight somebody, right? Oh, yeah. Hathaway. Yeah, he fought Hathaway. He fed him a bunch of. Yeah, right. he fought. He, he punched him in the face a bunch of times. I don't know if we call that a fight. <laughs> but um, it's, um, you know, it turned out to not be uh, as as bad an, uh, a roster move as, as any. But uh, I don't know, man. Like, part of me feels like, you know, I respect the Caps a lot. Obviously, they just won recently. But then I look down their roster and I'm like, man, these guys are a couple of these guys are just assholes i just can't take them you know hathaway especially has shot up the the you know most wanted list with a bullet in the last year or so so yeah anyway (laughs) wilson wilson the thing that's most frustrating about wilson is he's he's effective like he's like you're just watching him and he's running around you know like it's you know you see him do stuff you're like uh he's so close he's so close to the line he doesn't ever go over it and then he'll score and you're just be left uh you know doubly angry because he's the guy who scored i feel like chris Kreider. i felt the same way about yeah. chris Kreider. obviously wilson is a little dirtier than Kreider um is and, and a little heavier but uh yeah the hathaway was just brutal and i actually thought the islanders handled it extremely well and in, in, in particular like leo Komarov, who like in fairness probably should have got a penalty for punching tom wilson in the face but that's a that's a veteran knowing that that's someone who's been around the league knowing that it's like a 70 30. I don't get a penalty because I'm punching this guy in the face and the refs hate this guy probably more than they hate me. Whereas like, if he did that, if he did that to, you know, Jacob Verana or something, uh, Leo probably would have been sitting. We'd all be pretty pissed off. Uh, so yeah, he and he and Ovechkin were going mm-hmm. at it, you know, kind of chirping at each other. So I think there's something with Wilson and Hathaway and like Marshan and Kreider. They all have very punchable faces. Like they all have that face that just means just, that's what gets what drives you crazy. You look at this guy and you're like, oh, you know, like there are <laughs> there are agitators that don't have that face. Like Leo doesn't really have that face or like Clutterbuck. I don't know if I could say that because they're the guys on my team, but I don't think Clutterbuck really has that face. It just makes you want to just strangle him, you know, but Wilson very much does. So there you go. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, you're right. They, they did play a good game and uh, and Ross was effective. You know, Ross can can come in and play every once in a while. But uh, he sat the next game the next night. Uh, against the Flyers in Brooklyn. And I told Kelly uh, from Broad Street Hockey's checking out the competition podcast that, you know, I think what happens in that game is going to be dictated by what happens in the previous game. I was like, if the Islanders win that game against the Caps, I could see them kind of coming out, being run out of gas a little bit. Uh, If they lose, they're going to be even more determined. And I can see them just blowing the doors off the Flyers. Turns out it was a little bit of both. They came out in the first period and blew the doors off of the Flyers. <laughs> they were up 3-0. It was great. They were all over the place. They they dominated them from top to bottom. And then in the second period, they were completely out of gas. <laughs> the Flyers dominated them and scored two goals. And, you know, neither one of them was really great on, on Varlamov. He played fairly well, but neither one of those, those goals were really a good look, um, especially after the first period, which was just... I mean, Leo again, or uh, Matt Martin from Leo feed and, and Everly scored again, which is great. And then the third, the Islanders locked them down again. And it seemed like they had things under control. The Flyers pulled the goalie with about two and a half minutes left. And I mean, I still can't even get over. It's, it's a little sad that the Islanders won. And we'll talk about how they won in a second. But like Claude Giroux made a crazy play by bouncing the puck off of Josh Bailey's skate and and it ends up on the on the boards and it bounces right to Sean Couturier who scores. You cannot tell me that Claude Giroux didn't mean to do that. That's not luck. I'm sorry. He's just that good. And I was like stunned. And I was mad at Bailey for not noticing what was going on right behind him. But the Flyers tie the game and the next minute is all Islanders. And sure enough, Ryan Pollock scores with 38 seconds left. Uh, the place goes completely bananas. Uh, Flyers fans go completely bananas. <laughs> Leo Komarov hits uh, the empty netter, another Leo point, and the Islanders walk away with another 5-3 win, and I still can't believe it. It's over 24 hours later, and I still can't believe that that, that happened. I still can't believe I watched it. It's unbelievable. The Islanders don't win generally games like that. but Mm-mm. like Pollock goal was – like he, he about 10 seconds before that, he lined up for for to pull a shot, and – it like the puck just like kind of squirted up and and when he when that puck squeezed away from him like ah oh, that was going to be our shot at at actually winning this thing in regulation 
And then Matt Barzell, like just, I mean, he, Barzell was just an absolute monster yesterday. Uh, I don't know how many points he ended up with, but he just, anytime he was on the ice, the Islanders were dangerous and he brought his two line mates with him and Everly was really good too. But when that line is clicking in the way they do, uh, my God, and I don't think there's a coincidence that the game was on national TV. Matt Barzell, I think has shown that he really likes to play when he knows people are watching because I think you know, he, he definitely he loves being on this team and he loves what it's all about. But he's definitely aware that my uh, his his shadow isn't like cast big enough. He's 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 better than the recognition that he gets, uh, especially like his two hundred foot game. Sure, he'll he'll make a mistake here or there and maybe turn the puck over uh, at a blue line, but you'll trade that for for what he does in uh, you know when he's going and. Uh, he's, he's, I think he lead, like might be like second or third in the league in takeaways. His, that part of his game is just so good this year. He's he's been really good on the four check. And yesterday was just, it was kind of indicative of who he is right now in his career. It was a gigantic game from him. It wasn't him that scored the big goal. I don't think he had a goal. I think he, yeah, three assists, he did have a, I believe, three yeah. assists, but, but like, it, like, that's what he is. Like he was so good, but people were not talking about him after the game. They were really talking about, uh, you know, the goal and just how crazy it was and, uh, he was just buzzing, and he he was really good on on the game winning goal. He did that like alley oop pass to himself at some point. Yeah, he tried to score that, like the lacrosse goal. Yeah, at one point. And you know? to, in his credit, like he, it, it was almost like he knew it wasn't going to work, and he just kind of fluttered it over, you know, Matt Niskin and whoever it was, and uh, passed it to uh, I think it was Everly or something. And wow, like that, there was yeah. just yeah, there yeah, were some that moments ended up being and, Everly's goal, yeah. Yeah, the, the, there were just some moments from from Barzell where you're just mesmerized. Like I just couldn't believe how good he was uh, that whole game. And I think after him, the second best forward in this two game stretch, uh, you can make the argument it's been like Beauvillier, Bailey, but honestly, it could be Leo Komarov. Uh, he's been really, really good. Yeah, I mean, he's got three points in two games or whatever it is. That that's pretty wild for him. Uh, and uh, and that goal, well, the goal he scored against the Capitals. Where yeah. he kind of just you know poked the puck, he he caught somebody napping a little bit, won the puck, got it into the zone, got it to Nelson, and then went like it was just you're like this if this guy if he did that kind of stuff more often like you can you can see it took what has it been a hundred and something games for him to have a game like that I think like I can't remember a game last year where I was left like wow that was a really impressive performance he's now had two two oh. of them so it's taken this long and, and now you just wonder if he can maybe pull like six or seven more out of uh you know out of his hat <laughs> and and that goal against the caps came very early in the second period and like that's that's the great stuff because you know they're coming you know that they had the speech in the locker room all right we got to come back and todd reardon is doing on the board you gotta do this you gotta do that and like when you come out and you score a goal that early in that second period that immediately blows their plans to hell you know so that's what made that that goal particularly satisfying for me but yeah then he set up a two-on-one with matt martin which was gorgeous arthur staples uh tweet was like yeah you read that right <laughs> it was a two-on-one martin and and uh Kamrov. but um i'll tell you who did notice matt barzell in particular in that game both during and after were flyers fans i i generally don't you know, go looking for, you know, what the other teams were are saying after Islanders games. But that game ended in such a way and Flyers fans are just they're so much fun. They're so passionate. And, I, and you know, I love I love Broad Street Hockey anyway. So I, I couldn't help but go look. And man, they were just like Barzell was everywhere. Barzell just dominated us. We can't take we have no answer for him. He just couldn't do anything about him. And uh, they were right. Like he was phenomenal in that game. Again, he ended up with three assists um, and they ended up 10, 10 high danger chances for and against even you know, in the Islanders case, six of them were in the first period. And so, you know, I, I think Dom may have said this in his recap, like, you know, in another way to look at it is, well, they blew a three, nothing lead, but then, then they had coming back to win. And that's what drove some other, uh, you know, Flyers fans crazy. That I was reading was that like, you know, with that minute to go, they the Islanders just were like, no, we're not losing this. And they just took the game back over again. They had kind of given it back. But then in that final minute, they just took it over again, the way they had took it over in the first period and ended up taking the game in regulation. I was totally braced for overtime. And I was like, well, that's not surprising. Every, every game between these two teams goes to overtime. I can't, you know, it's just sort of like, yeah, well, here we go again. But to get that, that win in regulation like that against that team that's literally chasing them and was like, you know, a point or whatever behind them, to jump five points up on, I think, eighth place, if I'm not mistaken, 
five points, you know, back of first place, it, it, you know, we sat here last week and we talked about this sort of, you know, gauntlet that they have to go through. These two wins create enough of a cushion going into the rest of this gauntlet. It's this road trip we'll talk about in the second half um, that, you know, makes things a lot more palatable. And all of a sudden things are a lot more rosy now than they were a week ago. And it's just because of these two wins and the way they got them and the, who they got them against that, you know, makes you feel pretty good there. I think generally they're in the high eighties now, as far as uh, playoff uh, chances go. And Hey, you know what? It's the middle of February, the trade deadlines two weeks away. And I mean, I think it's safe to say that these, these guys want this and you know there are bumps along the way, but you know, when you could win games like that, you'll figure it out. And, uh, you know, they, they can do this again. <laughs> they have the same exact record that they had last year and, uh, they just, uh, need to keep going and, and, you know, pull out a few more games like this and we'll all be all set and we can just sort of kick our feet up into the playoffs, which I think is something we all probably want. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. I was, I was talking to a couple people at work and they were saying, uh, that the Islanders, it's actually Darren Rovell who pointed out to me that the Islanders were, uh, the team closest to eclipsing their season win total over. Mm. Um, which was it opened at like 96 and a half as they always do people bet against the Islanders it ended up closing at like 92 and a half or so and um, you know the Islanders knock on wood they look they look like a good good bet to 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 beat that but uh, it's just so funny that people nobody said in before the season like everyone was like oh the the Islanders are going to either be worse or maybe they'll be better than they were last year because they, uh, you know, there's guys due for regression, and then there, there's kind of like a smaller minority. So you know, they could be better. That's like they, they didn't have good seasons from Everly, even Anders Lee. Like these guys, like they, they didn't have their kind of ceiling type year. And Barzell should get better. Um, but I think the beauty of the season is like they are. It, it's obviously not been a, a carbon copy, but they're very much the same kind of group. Like you can you watch them. You're like this. This is. This is a team that doesn't quit. They are. They don't really get blown out of games. They don't blow teams out. But they're very. I think Trotz was the one who said before his first season, like this team, you guys are going to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And the Islanders have been that, like against the the Kings, even the uh, the, the the late comebacks they had the week before. Dallas, uh, another one that Dallas, came right? back. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like I, I don't. I, the, the word that came to my mind for the past two games was heroic. Like the, the, those were two heroic wins from, from a franchise that has been so unheroic prior to last year. Um, and I just, it didn't even really phase me. Cause I'm like, this is, I'm kind of getting used to that. Like in the moment I get tense and, and you know, it's catastrophe. Every turnover is a catastrophe. Every penalty is a catastrophe. The refs are terrible. They hate us. And, uh, oh like, man, the, the you know, Flyers had those two power plays in the third period there, yep. and I was like, "They're throwing the game away." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> beside myself, you know. And but this team is conditioned to kind of get out of those uh, those kind of corners, like when they're backed into a corner. And uh, it's it before the season, nobody said, you know, this could, the Islanders could just be this, like they could be a very good team that plays a system that you know maybe this is what we should expect for them under Trots, like with this per- type of personnel. Um, and it's it's great, honestly, because they're going to be they 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 look good. Their numbers are getting better as the season's going on, as it kind of did last year. Like there was a little bit of a blip, and then uh, they started to kind of pull themselves out and get into rounded to form for the down the stretch. And you know, you hope maybe like this is going to. I would I would have signed up for. Hey, you want to do exactly what you did last year in the regular season again this year? I would be like, yeah, hell yeah, I would. And it's a, and it's so it's not lost not lost on me at all that. It's the the fact that these two teams literally are have had got like the same amount of points, the, almost the same exact record. For like the past week of games, they've basically had the same record. Uh, this is what they are kind of built to be, and I think a lot of people because nobody was talking about that. It was either no, they're going to be terrible this year, they're going to regress, or maybe they'll take a step forward. And uh, I mean, this is this has kind of been again just like a wonderful stretch and her, her, like. Like I said, heroic, heroic wins. That's all. That was the word that came to mind. Like when Polak scored, he was that was heroic. That 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 moment, everything about it, just uh, what a celebration. You know, speaking of heroes, I totally didn't realize that we didn't we haven't talked since that Kings game, in which the hero was Kiefer Bellows, the guy who came up <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he ended up scoring two goals. And uh, you know, that was that was his night. He came up, 
he looked great. He scored a couple of goals. Uh, and, you know, they weren't like one was out of the corner, which I still don't know how he angled it in. I thought it hit off of John Quick, but I watched it a bunch of different times. And no, he just angled that in from from no angle, from you know, from a 90 degree angle, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, that was his night. They played well. Um, you know, the game, again, the game in Tampa wasn't great. But I mean, the, the defense, I, I think, did a pretty good job. They're just two, you know, two mistakes there a couple of times. But. Again, Washington, the the heroes were uh, Bovillier, Nelson, and Bailey. Those guys were awesome. I think they combined for like eight points or something. And Bovillier had the two goals. Bailey had three assists. Nelson had three assists. Like they they were amazing in that game. And then the next night, it was like you said, Lee Eberly and uh, Bar- uh, Barzell. Yeah, Lee Eberly Barzell. They uh, they had the best uh, score. If you look at Carrie's uh, you know game score tweet. They were out in front of everybody and they just kind of owned the whole entire game. You know, it's mostly Barzell, but still like Everly had the goal. Lee looked really good. So, I mean, it's just somebody else every night. I mean, if Leo is going to contribute, Broussard is back to contributing now. Um, Everly's up to 10 goals. So, I mean, these are the kinds of things that we've been hoping would happen. And it's funny that, you know, again, we keep saying it, but like they have the same record, even though they had two, a couple of guys go through like 20 odd game goal slumps and Everly hasn't really looked that great for most of the season. You know, things weren't falling for him Lee too. Um, but, uh, and now they have to deal with a lot of injuries and that's what we're going to talk about in the second half. Uh, you know, and, and that, if anything, it's not so much the team itself, but who is missing that could pose a problem, uh, when it comes to keeping this up. So we'll come back in a couple of minutes and we'll talk injuries and how to deal with them. Okay. See us on the other side. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can buy T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring the logos of over 100 classic hockey teams. Uh, Long Island Ducks, New York Raiders, New York Golden Blades. New great stuff. Broom Dusters. You got to look these guys up. They have a wild history. Remember remember Broom County? It was a, it was a cartoon. It was BC. Uh, it was a whole thing. Uh, it's connected to that. It's the Broom Dusters. Uh, what was the other one here? The, the Cape Cotters is another new one. And then there was another cool one. Oh, the Motor City Mechanics. Motor City Mechanics uh, only played for a couple of years there. But boy, what a, what a uh, alumni they had. So you can get all that at VintageIceHockey.com. They also sell our uh, Lighthouse Hockey Al Arbor t-shirts. You can get those there too. If you use the code Lighthouse15, you can save 10, 15% off your order. If you use the code or you buy a Lighthouse Hockey t-shirt, our portion goes to the Center for Dementia Research. So you get a cool shirt, you make a donation, you save some money. It's all good. VintageIceHockey.com. Go there. Uh, okay, so we talked about injuries and the latest one, as Arthur Staples said, the latest freak injury to uh, befall the Islanders is Casey Zizekas. His leg uh, was uh, got a cut. It's pretty bad, apparently. This happened in early in the game against the Flyers. I believe Ivan Provorov, was it? I'm not even sure. But um, he is now out three to four weeks, which I guess is better than it could have been because uh, he limped off. And, you know, when you see Casey limp off, you know it's pretty bad because he's a pretty tough customer. But he's out three to four weeks. Uh, Adam Pellick, we've already said, is out for basically the rest of the regular season and more with his ACL injury. And Cal Clutterbuck, who had a lacerated wrist <laughs> a few weeks ago, uh, has no timetable yet. But I would assume that he probably might start appearing again, maybe after their little road trip here uh, through the the sort of southwest. So these are significant losses for this team. So Zekas is going to be tough. And they called up Carl uh, Cole Bardreau today. Talk about injuries. He had that amazing game 
which you and I were talking about before, happened in November. It was Islanders won 10 games in a row. He scored out a penalty shot against the Ottawa Senators at Barclays Center. It was crazy. I was there. Feels like that game happened 10 years ago. It was four months ago. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> it's too much stuff going on. Like we said at the top, too much stuff going on. It was four months ago, but he's back. Ever since he left the Islanders, he has been just beset with injuries and problems. And he finally came back to Bridgeport. Didn't really, you know, produce much. But then again, outside of Kiefer Bellows, nobody really does in Bridgeport. Um, so he's a stopgap for right now. But this might impact their trade deadline um, outlook. Uh, if Sadikis is out, they might look for somebody who's a fourth line center. Uh, as Zekas is, but he's really not. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. You know, is somebody maybe that wasn't going to be on their radar now will be because of the injury? Is somebody maybe not on their radar anymore because, you know, they don't have that backup? Um, This is just going to suck. And to go out on a four-game road trip in some pretty tough buildings without a guy who's like your heart and soul guy, your your best penalty killer, yeah, it's, you know, as good as I feel after those last two games, every time I think about Zekas not being there, and them trying to kill a penalty, I feel bad again. So uh, I don't know. There's it's, always it's, there's always a damn caveat. You know? I know, right? <laughs> it's always a caveat with the with the Islanders. I can't remember the last time there hasn't really been like just like a unbridled joy without just having the wind taken out of your sails at least a little bit. Um, yeah, I think the thing that that fr- freaks me out the most is the penalty killing, um, like Sezikis or and the thing that. Uh, there's really a lot <laughs> now that I think mm. about it, but the uh, Leo Komarov and Matt Martin, we were just talking about them. Both of them have looked terrific. Mm. Um, it seems like that line is getting into speed. I think maybe well, part of the reason that Clutterbuck, Sezikis and uh, Martin are so good together is like Casey plays at a very high pace for, for fourth line center. He's, he's all over the place. He's buzzy. Um, and I don't, he has a 200 foot game. I wouldn't say Komarov, really does uh martin not really but clutterbuck definitely does too so if you have two guys that can do that and like i think leo is probably getting up to speed with how to manage playing with someone who's like that uh and now he's not so like it's just it, it like just the, the, as good as i was feeling about the way that martin and Komarov are playing i'm just back to square one i'm very skeptical of, of if they will be able to succeed with uh with tuna bardro in in between them like <laughs> Well, I mean, and I think yeah, Bardo, right. <laughs> yeah, Tuna was good. He was he was a good, you know, uh, piece for for nine games. Like I think, what did they do? Eight zero and one or something like that with him uh, in the lineup. And uh, he's, he's came up, and I'm sure he's he knows he's a limited kind of player. And if you just play a smart, heady game and forecheck and and kill penalties, like Barry Trotz will keep sending you out there, and he'll trust you. Uh, so. He's never. I don't think he's centered Martin and, uh, and Komarov or two types of players with like that. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely a little skeptical. And like you said, yeah, it does. It does just change like the outlook of the season completely. I know. I know that the rest of uh, the hockey world is is right now mesmerized with the Sedin's uh, retirement ceremony. So I don't even know if anybody notices this Azika stuff, but uh, the. It's a it's a big deal, and if if you know this team and and you're in this sort of like race, it's a it's a really big deal. Uh, the Islanders are going to need to to figure something out on the fly, and uh, that's frightening. It is, um, and you know, again, making things really worse is that yes, Ezekiel is an important guy in all situations, you know, and particularly on the penalty kill, and you know, it gets back to something we've been we've been kind of complaining about all year, and and it's just it's very hard to understand how games are officiated these days. Um, And I mean that in both ways, like, you know, you see the Islanders do stuff and not get called. You see other teams do stuff and not get called. And then you see what does get called. And you're just like, I don't get it. I really don't. Nelson took those two penalties uh, uh, in the third period of the game against Philly. You know, Nelson was trying to get past some guy to the puck and he put his hand on his shoulder for like literally a second and he got called for holding. And I'm like, really? That's that doesn't happen to these guys literally every time they're on the ice. I just that one to me was just egregious. Barzell ended up tripping some guy a little bit later, which was a little bit more clear cut. But so I, I just don't know. And like, you know, you would think that I think the. You know, the edict would be, well, don't take penalties and you won't have to kill them. Well, but they don't play like that. And that's one of the funny things we've said all year is that 
Why this team doesn't get called for more penalties, we don't know because it's not like they shy away from the front of the net. That's their whole damn game plan is getting to the front of the net. So I don't know, you know, what why they never get called for things, but uh, they're going to have to figure it out. And yeah, Bardreau is a guy, and that's you know that's the other thing too is like we've I think all become very accustomed to how this team operates, and they're big on roles. They've talked about it. Barry Trotz has talked about it. Lou Lamarello has talked about it. They're big on roles, and and you know the fact that. Bardreau was the guy who got called up was not surprising in the slightest. I don't think people were upset that like Otto Koivula or somebody, you know, some or Josh Hosang, I guess, but like, you know, some other person wasn't called up um, or Wallstrom, I guess, you know, to sort of spark the offense a little bit because they know that they need a guy who's going to replace essentially your fourth line center. And that that's Bardreau. He's the guy who's done that before. Um, and so, you know, that's how they, they operate now, how that affects them coming up to the trade deadline at the 24th. I don't know. Uh, Arthur Stable pointed out a couple of things, you know, JG Pajot is still kind of on the radar. Um, he might be, you know, maybe teams try to put the squeeze on the Islanders knowing they really, really need that extra center now, but uh, maybe he is, you know, it's too rich for their blood. Uh, Derek Grant is having a great season in Anaheim. Maybe he can be had for, you know, maybe a cheaper price. Uh, Travis Ajak is still out there for the Devils, going nowhere. He makes a lot of dough, but you know Lamarello likes him. Uh, but then there are guys like Trevor Lewis and and you know Luke Glendening, who I I don't know. I thought he was a defenseman. I guess I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe that's a number. Yeah, of I think Glenn there's Dennings a couple. Are. I think there's like eight Luke Glendenings in the league, and sometimes they put some some play for the Blue Jackets and some play right. for the Red Wings. And I think there are some Glendenings too, right? Am I wrong? <laughs> yeah, Glenn Adam Glendening or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what well, in any event? Um. So again, you know. I don't. I don't want to make this into a, a trade deadline show because we can we can do that next week, uh, just before the actual trade deadline. But uh, it you know it, it this is a this is the worst kind of injury at the worst possible time is what I'm trying to say. And as good as we do feel, um, you know, I'm sure Barry Trotz is sitting on a plane or was sitting on a plane to Nashville earlier today, thinking, oh, how are we supposed to figure this out? What are we going to do? You know, but uh, he'll have a game plan and, and hopefully they can execute it. Now, as far as that Nashville game goes. Um, if you haven't already listened to, uh, to Noel and Dan's show, you should, because the legendary Pete Weber is, is Noel's guest and, and he asked a bunch of questions about the Predators. So, uh, you check that out for a bit of a preview, but all I need to know is that that team beat the Islanders eight to two, uh, at the Coliseum a few weeks ago. And I don't think anybody forgot that. And I would think that the Islanders would like to get some revenge. Uh, it's going to be hard without cases, Zekas, but I really feel like they are going to want this game very, very, very badly, regardless of who's in or out of the line. Yeah, I'd, I'd assume that they. Uh, I mean, they're in good form as a as a group, so you hope that they just kind of carry it over. And and if they continue to do that, you, you you can be confident that this team, like we were saying in the beginning of the show, it's not out of the question that the Islanders do something crazy like steal a division or mm. catch Washington for the second seed in in the division. And about two weeks ago, maybe less, uh, I was basically thinking that, that this team is probably not going to make the playoffs. Like if they were point ahead. And uh, so it's, it's th- th- none of that stuff is out of the question. If they keep playing this way, obviously you got to, they got to get results. And that's the thing that really sucks about this Ezekiel's injury is the three week. If it's three weeks, which is the most optimistic of the uh, kind of time frames, I think that's 11 games with the way the schedule is set up. Uh, so it's like, if this could have happened in, you know, if this happened in November, you're talking, you know, seven to eight games maybe. Uh, but it happens now at 11 games. That's a big portion of the schedule, which is why I'm wondering if uh, if we actually see the Islanders make a trade uh, for the first time since July of 2018. And it'll probably be for, you know, like you were saying, like those kind of guys, that Evan Rodriguez, Nate Thompson, guy who's played that role as a fourth line center who kills penalties because that's what they want. They don't want uh, Derek Broussard to be the the fourth line center. I think that's pretty, or, or JG Pajot. You don't want to go trade for him and then be like, all right, you're the fourth line center until Sezikis comes back. Uh, which, which is also like a kind of added frightening wrinkle to this whole thing. Uh, that you just don't want, you just, I just can't see with the way that we know how Barry Trotz works with, with these roles, like you were saying him being like, all right, now I got Four really good centers, Derek Broussard. You're, you're all of a sudden you're going to play the Casey Sezikis role, which it's just not yeah, going to no, happen. He so. would not like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and I actually, we should also point out that like you, you said it pretty briefly, but uh, Broussard has been really good uh, the past you know, six, ten, ten games or so, whatever it's been. 
so it's it's yeah, ever since he came out of that slump, he's looked really good. Yep. You know. And and and, uh, and and this changes his role a little bit too. Like no matter who where you are, even if you're not playing on that line, it's just gonna change your role a little bit because you're gonna be asked to do just a little bit more, whether it's kill the last ten seconds of a penalty or or be the big face off guy. Like Sezikis was always the guy. 45 seconds left in a game who's taking the face off it's either Sezikis or Nelson at this point and that's changing now it's either gonna it's probably gonna be Nelson or Broussard or maybe Barzell I don't know but uh yeah there's a lot of a lot of uh we hate you hate like the the cliches we always kind of laugh at them but Sezikis is a he's he's a, a poster boy a poster child for the guy who does the little things right and now the Islanders need to find another one who who can do someone to like pick up two of the little things that he does here and someone to pick up a couple over there yeah um yeah and as uh, again arthur staple notes in his article like this is going to have a trickle down effect to everybody's ice time so like you know if the if let's say bardro comes in he's obviously going to play in nashville you know and that line maybe doesn't get quite as much ice time as it had before somebody else is going to have to get it so then you hope that it doesn't burn out guys like Broussard or or Lee or or Barzell, the guys who are always out there anyway. Uh, so we'll just have to see. But um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll just have to kind of see. Maybe, I mean, maybe Bardro comes in and just does the job. And before you know it, four weeks go by and we're like, oh, that was easy. And then he just stays here for the you know playoff run. But uh, we'll have to see. And but this is, you know, I, I know, like you said, you no, know, nobody really talked about it. Everybody's talked about some other bigger injuries out there. And there are a lot. Seth Jones is out basically for the rest of the, the regular season. Shea Weber is now out a whole bunch. People were talking about that a lot today. Um, who, who else? There's somebody else who, who's out that uh is Cam really, Atkinson got well, Cam, hurt. Yeah, <laughs> no, the, Penguins, was, um, the Penguins made a trade. <laughs> oh right, yeah. Um, yeah a lot, you know, of, a lot oh, has happened. Half of the Penguins are out. Yeah, there's a, there was a whole bunch of guys that are all out now. So uh, yeah, you know that's just part of the game. You're gonna have to deal with it. Um, yeah, so let's talk about the Penguins trade real quick. Uh, they acquired Jason Zucker from the Minnesota Wild for a lot of stuff. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk, whose career has gone completely off the rails. I can't even believe it. Uh, he's essentially a throw-in at this point. Uh, one of their better defensive prospects and a first-round pick, and uh, that's a lot to give up for Jason Zucker. Uh, think about it this way. Jason Zucker's output basically makes him like Jordan Eberle, who the Islanders got straight up for Ryan Strom. So <laughs> there you go. You know, that tells you all you need to know. I mean, he might be good with them, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I'm not I'm not sweating it. It would have been nice to add for the Islanders, but, uh, you know, well, the Penguins are dangerous no matter what, whether they get anybody. Yeah, yeah he, he's he's their prototypical. I'm, I'm sure there was an episode two years ago when they traded for Broussard and mm. you and I were like, oh, God, like yeah. Derek Broussard's going to go off and win this this con smythe and now you know i think the same thing about zucker i mean you get to play against next to cindy crosby and hey you know what if if, if you don't click with sid you get to play against next to genny malkin and if you can't click with the two of them you become alex galchenyuk and people just will give up on you yeah. but uh like you, you, you some he's gonna produce he's, he's a it's a good fit for them uh they're i think they're probably just gonna win the division uh i think they they just look really good and scary. They they figured out how to play great defense this season. Uh, so now that they add, you add someone who can score on top of a team that doesn't let in goals or high danger chances, uh, it's it's not fun. But I I just I was once kind of proud that no Islander fans were like, yeah, why couldn't we? You know, why couldn't Lou just go out and do that? Because it was just that was not going to happen. It was pretty pretty evident. Like just look at that package. You're like, okay, there's no Islander equivalent. Uh, I think we know the kind of player that if the Islanders knew make a trade, like what's who's coming over. Uh, obviously, we don't know. You never know with Lou, but it wasn't going to be Jason Zucker. But it sucks that uh, the Penguins just got that much better. <laughs> it does. It does. Um, and, you know, I am wondering, though, I was thinking about this on the way home with the, the Nashville game coming up. I, I wonder if Lou and... Uh, you know, uh, Pete Weber was saying uh, on the Isles Buzz podcast that, you know, the, the Predators, I think, have a couple of games coming up against the Blues that he thinks will kind of determine where David Poyle goes before the trade deadline. And I wonder if Poyle and Lou Lamorello will get together and maybe have some conversations about some guys. Now, do I think they're going to, the Islanders are going to leave Nashville with a couple of extra players that were, you know, ex predators. No, I don't think so. But uh, there are a couple of guys in that team that could help again, more than like a Jason Zucker would maybe like Nick Benino or uh, um, Michael Granlund uh, or, um, uh, Kyle Turris, who I talked about before, centers who can play, who, who would still help out on, on a, maybe kind of run their own line and kind of help everybody filter out throughout the lineup. But we'll have to see. But yeah, so we'll see. Everybody was just excited for a trade to actually go down. So, this, you know, people are still talking about this. So it's kind of 
it was kind of interesting. Um, we also had some Belmont news. We haven't talked about Belmont in a, in a lot because construction is still going on. Uh, I posted a thing the other day uh, from a Newsday article that talked about you know some details in the lease. And a couple of days later, Jim Bombach reported that there's an ironclad, there's that word again, ironclad, 25-year uh, whatever it was, like non-relocation clause or whatever the hell it was in the lease. Again, not a surprise, but uh, we had some fun with it on Twitter uh, because, you know, nobody ever believes the Islanders are going to spend 25 years anywhere. And, uh, you know, we wrote, we joked about how, you know, how does the Islanders 25 year lease affect the Leafs, you know, <laughs> or, uh, you know, now that what, what was the one you had about the hurricanes? <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, yeah. Just when you thought the hurricanes couldn't get more fun, they now have a new arena to play hockey in twice a year. Yeah, exactly. So it was, yeah. I mean, it's, it, the, when, the worst, and I, I actually think Jim Baumbach is is really good at this stuff, and uh, has been really just good to Islander fans. Him using those words, I was like, "Oh, you know exactly what you're doing." <laughs> ironclad. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. Well, it's the Islanders. There's nothing ironclad about about anything ever. Uh, even if you tell us it is, even if you show us, even if the lawyers say like, "No," if you if you say that it's anything but ironclad, we'll sue you. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just those words just. They don't, they don't, they don't fall right on Islander ears. So, uh, but it's, it's just more good news. It's, uh, this is, this feels like it might happen. Yeah. I mean, if they're building the arena, yeah, they're, they're not going anywhere for 25 years, but again, don't, don't expect that to like filter out to the greater Canadian media until about five years after they've (laughs) actually moved in. And then they'll be like, well, you know, I guess they're going to stay here for a while. So good for them. But, um, yeah, that, that was, that was kind of a fun one, but, um, you know, we have a we have a good time with uh, the the different kinds of uh, media coverage out there, and, and that was a good time. Um, actually, yeah. Speaking of media coverage, I thought it was kind of funny. I didn't even realize it until the Flyers game was going on that the Islanders were on NBC twice in back to back days, and I'm like, who who made this happen? That's really. I mean, obviously, the first one was was for Ovechkin, and I don't think anybody realized that it was. Oh man, these are two Islanders games. But uh, before it was too late, but um, like the fact that they won both of them on NBCSN was pretty remarkable they, there was a time when uh, that was a death sentence to it to an islanders game was putting them on nbc but uh yeah i guess they've been okay so there you go i think it, the way brian the i guess it was the second period because varlamov was uh that's when he let up those two goals but boucher was talking about uh how good he looks and uh just completely jinxed him and the other thing was if i had to hear one more person talk about how much of a veteran brian elliott was i was just gonna jump i was gonna i was gonna mute the tv that's what i would have done but like patrick sharp mentioned though you got a you got a veteran like brian elliott backing you up you're, you're gonna be fine anson carter brian boucher even brandon burke like yes we know brian elliott has been around like it's just because he's a veteran doesn't mean that letting in three goals in the first period he's gonna handle it you know differently than anybody else so it's, it, it was just blowing my mind I was almost like, oh, God, I could use Pierre right now. I could use, I could <laughs> oh use my Pierre God, telling that's me. Terrible. Like, <laughs> I know, it was just, it, for some, it was bothering me so much. But um, that's funny. yeah, it was good, uh, good showcase. And, and like we were saying, mm-hmm. next time, next time Bar- Matt Barzell is playing on a big stage, just like keep an eye on him. It's mm-hmm. he knows he's just that kind of guy. And that that doesn't just mean national TV. I mean that means playing in. Toronto or Montreal or, you know, those bigger markets, LA, I'm sure, uh, or not anymore, but you know, back when, if they were good at Chicago, like when these teams are good, when he's going up against his idols, he's definitely a type of player that, uh, raises his game to, to the kind of expectations of like rate, bigger ratings and such. It's, uh, it's kind of fun. I don't, I don't really recall another Islander like that. No. Uh, well, he said last year something to the effect when they started the playoffs was like, this is where I want to be. Like, I think P- I forget what he said exactly, but I remember people taking it sort of a dig at Tavares. Oh, yeah. He said something like, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to play nine years in the league and only been in the playoffs three times, which was kind of like, <laughs> mm, who is that describing? You know, because uh, he knows that's where people are watching. That's when when it really yeah. matters. So, yeah, no, no, I don't remember an Islander being like that either. But but at the same time, like he's still playing within the structure. Like it wasn't, you know, again, against the Flyers, he wasn't. It wasn't like he was out there freelancing and giving up chance after chance. Like he was still playing Islander hockey. He was just really, really mesmerizing, <laughs> which was really yeah. cool. Um, after the uh, that game, uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised that the the post game folks with Ben Lovejoy, which I wasn't. It was Patrick, yeah. Catherine Tappan, Patrick Sharp, and Ben Lovejoy. 
Um, they were all over Barzell. They loved him. That he was the number one focal point of the whole thing. I mean, first they they started out talking about the Flyers and what a gut punch it was, but then they were just like, man, Matt Barzell was everywhere, and they were just highlighting him, and they had the you know the, the spotlight on him and stuff. So it was actually very cool to see. I actually missed for the first two periods of that game, so I called the, I caught the best parts. But they, I couldn't I couldn't uh, believe when I saw Ben Lovejoy on the TV. I, I mean, I don't know if what what this says about me, but I was walking past the TV when they were in the studio. And I, you know, I saw Sharper and then Catherine Tappan. And then I saw uh, who who eventually would uh, be revealed to me as Ben Lovejoy. I'm like, wait, who's this? Third? Like, that can't be Ben Lovejoy. He's still playing for someone, isn't he? Like, isn't, isn't, and, and uh, turns out, no, he's not. And uh, he, I will always kind of have a, even though he played for the Devils and the, and the Penguins and on some Penguins teams that were really, really hateable, uh, there was that scene in that HBO 24-7 after he took a puck to the face where he was on the plane and he had his right. eye like it blew up on the plane. And, and HBO, because they're you know much better at production value than the NHL is, like just revealed it in a great way. It was just a really fun moment. I'm sure you can like find it on YouTube if you if you want to go watch like a, a funny one minute clip or so. Uh, just type in like what it was called 24-7 Winter Classic Ben Lovejoy and his face is just scary looking but it's just it's a really kind of funny hockey moment very slap shotty yeah now i think i remember that was that the one where they where uh crosby and uh or where i think it was um mark andre flurry like prank crosby or something it was something like that yeah what's that and then him and and then brent johnson was wearing like this weird sweater on the plane that oh yeah uh, it's actually it's actually I, i when i was sick like a couple months ago uh, and I was just trying to get through the day. I actually watched that entire series, like all the way through on YouTube or something, or maybe HBO on HBO go. And it's like, this was really good. Like this, this is exactly mm. what hockey fans have been after for so long. And, uh, yeah. it, it just, I guess HBO and the NHL after what, two or three just parted ways and it, the NHL took it over <laughs> and made it much worse. Yeah, no, and it wasn't as good. And, and you're, you're right though. Like that would be the perfect way to sell this sport to show these guys as like normal humans, but don't do it just for like, you know, the same two teams we see all the time, like show them, show everybody, you know, but yep. that'll never happen, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, uh, and the funny thing is Sharp, like he took right to that role and Lovejoy, well, he's got a little bit of work to do, but, uh, you know, he's still pretty <laughs> cool. But, you know, he'll get some shots. And I mean, they, they threw him right in the fire of this actual national game. So there you go. Pretty cool. Um, OK, um, our uh, this is an island. He was an Islander this week. Uh, is a very special one, and I want to thank uh, my friend Patrick, who writes for Habs Eyes on the Prize. He's sort of like our unofficial uh, Swedish scout and reporter, uh, correspondent sometimes. He uh, tweeted earlier this week, uh, congrats to Stefan Persson, who was uh, elected into the Swedish Hockey Hall of Fame. Persson, of course, uh, a member of the Islanders dynasty, hugely underrated Swedish defenseman, one of the first Swedes to, to come over to the NHL, join the Islanders. And I believe he only played for the Islanders. And he he and Tomas Janssen were integral parts to that that dynasty team. And uh, why it took so long to put him in the Swedish Hockey Hall of Fame, I have absolutely no idea. But I'm glad they did. <laughs> and I'm glad it's all politics. It's probably all politics. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but hey, good for him. It's great. Congratulations. Always great to see an Islander uh, reaping uh, rewards somewhere. And uh, congrats to Stefan Person. There you go. A guy who, yeah, a lot of Islanders fans may not know, but boy, they were they were really good. They were just solid, solid, solid players. And, you know, they let they let the Dennis Pot vans and and you know Kenny Morrows do their thing and just you know didn't didn't make any mistakes for five years in a row. It's pretty remarkable. But hey, congratulations, Stefan Person. I mean, it's it's we always kind of underestimate the the cultural shock it must be to cope from, you know, here you are, you're what what basically what Simon uh, Holmstrom's going through right now? He's an eighteen year old kid who grew up in Sweden. All he knew is Sweden, and now he's living and playing and working in Bridgeport, Connecticut, as a eighteen or nineteen year old. And um, thinking about those guys compared to what they were, you know, in nineteen seventy nine or whatever he started, uh, right. without without like cell phones and internet to be able to talk to people. Like I'm sure that, that those guys like just didn't talk to their family back in Sweden for months at a time. They're like, no, nah, I just, you know, I played a month of hockey. I was traveling all over the place and that's it. So uh, it's, yeah, it's a, the NHL. Like, it was the, 
it, it, the game is so funny to look at from if you just watch like a little bit of like the 80s and then the, the 90s and then early aughts and then now and because I was watching the Bob Probert uh, documentary on Amazon I'm like this is not the same sport <laughs> it's just so different it's I mean it, it is in, in, in obviously in a lot of ways but it's just so different Ty Domi and, and Bob Probert are just beating is the that, crap out uh, of each other is that Ice Guardians it's was called that Tough that? Guy it's called okay. Tough Guy it's on oh, it's Amazon just about Prime Probert? okay I yeah it's just about Probert it's it's not the easiest watch but uh it's just it's if you're a hockey fan you, you, you just forget sometimes because of how crisp the game looks now and how easy on the eyes it is uh if you were a hockey fan like back then you were watching i don't want to call it a bad product but uh a very different product one that wasn't easy to to follow at all because of the lack of coverage and and just the the nature of the sport made it tough to watch on tv before the technology caught up to the speed of the game uh but yeah that's a you know a little bit of a tangent but i also wanted to say that the islanders now that home holmstrom is here but uh I can't like they they haven't had like a little like a Swedish contingent in a while uh, mm. on on their roster. It's really you know they had for a while they had you know Salo and and Kenny Jansen and then yeah. uh, like even like Robert Nilsson like those guys and it's been a while since they've had uh, like a really cool Swede. Mm. <laughs> well, we had the uh, the Finnish twins last year, the Komarov and um, Filppula. Filppula, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had, and then we had. <laughs> And we, I mean, we've had some cool Finns like Sean Bergenheim, who's like a mm. now a great politician in Finland. But uh, it's just you know, I I, I would love to have uh, like Janne Ninema, one of my all time yeah, Ninema. <laughs> but we, we I want like the kind of like Peter Forsberg or mm. uh, Elias Pettersson. Like I would love to have. I would love if Holmstrom became like because there's something to be said about a cool hockey player, but when they're Swedish, they become even like a little bit cooler. Uh, so right. that's 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 what I'm looking for. Yeah, if Nick Lidstrom was from like Brantford or something, he definitely wouldn't have been as cool <laughs> yes, yes. As, uh, as, as he was, you know, for sure. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, they haven't had a really yeah, good Swedish player in a long time. I don't know why. It's weird, but maybe Holmstrom will, will change all that. So there you go. Uh, I'll put a link to the, the trailer for Tough Guy in the uh, – in the the com the story for this because I, I totally had forgotten about it. I got to watch that Ice Guardians too. I've heard that's really good. Mm-hmm. Take a look at that. Uh, okay, I think that uh, just about does it. You're probably going to hear this uh, the day before um, the day of the the national game. So enjoy the game. Uh, check out Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, we need calls for my favorite Islanders game. I mean it. We really do <laughs> because without calls, we cannot have a show. So please, I'm begging you, if you're in a good mood and you've, you've watched these two Islanders games and you're packed to the gills with Islanders pride, call and tell us about your favorite game, why it's meaningful to you, what, you know, it doesn't have to be like a game that, you know, was any kind of, um, had any kind of special significance for the Islanders, as long as it was significant to you, uh, you know, something crazy happened, it's, it's, it's personal to you and, and you'll always remember it. The number is 646 980 Eight eight five seven. So call today. Tell us we want to hear the stories, and without them, we cannot have a show. So please call six four six nine eight zero eight eight five seven. Listen to PT Isles and Isles Buzz. They both put out episodes this week. I have completely forgotten to mention that we have a Twitter account that's just for Lighthouse Hockey Podcast. It's at LHH Podcasts, and if you follow it, you'll see uh, all the episodes. You know, go up. You'll you'll have any kind of news or announcements will come from there. Uh, maybe some previews or something like that. We we might uh, have later on so at lhh podcast if you're on twitter just follow it and you know you'll get any kind of news and stuff from us you'll hear from us all the time and uh last week i completely forgot to ask you what your twitter handle is even though i know what it is and we've been asking you <laughs> asking you for like five years now it's uh the big lebowski with two e's follow mike at the big lebowski with two e's uh he's uh one of my favorite people to read during an islanders game which is not something i say very often because i often <laughs> off of Twitter during Islanders games, but I always check out what Mike has to say. Uh, So follow him there at the Big Lebowski. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. And uh, thanks a lot for listening. And we'll be back next week and we'll uh, talk about some right trade deadline stuff and uh, we'll see where they go. They're doing Nashville. They're doing Vegas. Uh, Oh, four o'clock Monday. If you're off President's Day, it's a matinee against the Coyotes. It's a one o'clock start out in Glendale. So I can't wait to see what that crowd looks like. I mean, oh like as, a, as a fellow as a fellow um, 
fan of a team that gets made. I just, I, I, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see what that crowd looks like. To, and, and I mean that genuinely. Like, I, I want to know what, what on earth a President's Day matinee Islanders Coyotes game looks like. <laughs> I mean, Islanders, Islanders President's Day games are usually pretty full, or like Columbus Day games. Like, they're usually pretty yeah, good for sure. But uh, they, yeah. But uh, but just the fact that it's in in you know it's in Arizona like it's just it's just such a funny random matinee. It's just I I'm I I really don't mean that. I know we get a lot of Coyotes fans that listen to this, but I really don't mean that in a disparaging way. Like I just am so curious for that crowd. I'm sure they're thinking the same thing. And but what? That's a random game to play to have at home. (laughs) I'm just I'm just curious about like a Monday matinee. That's just. Oh boy, and the Islanders' clocks are going to be all. If they get, I, I don't even know what to expect. I don't even want to think. About it. Sunday matinees are hard enough, but man, a Monday matinee has just got to be kind of a, all kinds of weird, especially after being in Vegas the night before. So yeah. this is yeah, buckle up. This one's going to be a wild ride <laughs> through the Southwest. Mm-hmm. But we'll see where the Islanders come out, and if they keep playing the way they've been playing, well, you know, things uh, things are going to look pretty good. Uh, okay, thanks a lot, and we'll see you then. Bye bye.